uh, Michael Lee Brazelton, uh, title, I'm, uh, Air Force Colonel, retired, uh, United Airlines Captain, retired. So can you tell me about your, uh, your military story? Well, let's see. Uh, I always wanted to fly ever since about the seventh grade. Uh, I actually wanted to be a, an Air Force experimental test pilot. Uh, so most of my studies uh, in high school uh, were math and engineering, that type of stuff that I was good at. And uh, I went to a small engineering college and got a degree in uh, aeronautical and astronautical engineering. Uh, graduated in, uh, let's see, December 63. And uh, I applied to the Air Force to fly and apparently they needed pilots and I passed the physical. So, uh, so they uh, presented me an offer to, uh, to uh, enter the, the pilot utilization field, which I jumped at. Let's see, I retired in uh, December, I mean, I uh, graduated in December 63, in, uh, Valentine's Day, uh, 1964, I enlisted in the Air Force, I uh, was sent to officer training school, I uh, was there for three months and graduated as a second lieutenant, went immediately to Air Force pilot training at Reese Air Force Base, uh, flew the T-37 for six months and the T-38 for six months. Uh, I did very well in pilot training, partly because of my engineering background and also uh, the fact that uh, I'd become a private pilot when I was in college, uh, even to the point of uh, checking out on a biplane and becoming proficient in aerobatics. So uh, when uh, flight assignments rolled around, I was near the top of the list to, to get what I wanted, which was the F-105 Thunder Chief. Uh, very shortly after pilot training, I went to Nellis Air Force Base, Nevada, for six months of training in the 105. Uh, almost immediately thereafter, I, uh, I, I volunteered for, to fly in Southeast Asia because about that time the, the war was heating up and the F-105 was being used extensively uh, to fly bombing missions against North Vietnam. At any rate, uh, I got what I wanted. In January of uh, 66, I went uh, uh, to Takli, Thailand, which was the base from which uh, the 105s, one of the two bases the 105s flew out of. I flew combat missions for six months, got about 111 total missions, uh, was shot down on 7th of August 1966. Uh, Although I evaded capture for uh, close to an hour, uh, I was eventually captured, uh, taken to Hanoi after a rough night of, uh, of some crowds and some uh, personal attention. Uh, and then I was taken to a, uh, a prison on the outskirts of Hanoi we call the zoo. And that's where I stayed for the next few years. How is, how was that experience? Oh well, it's you know it's it's very dramatic as you can imagine. You yeah. know, one day you're a a fighter pilot knowing the world, and the next day you're a POW who's rolling around in the ground with with uh, 
ropes wrapped around me. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to accept intellectually. Yes, I was a fighter pilot. I got shut down on POW. Okay, it's going to be a couple of years, and then I'll get out. Air Force will get me back. United States always, you know, will have a... Yeah, the war will end, and they'll exchange prisoners. But I thought I could handle two, two years up there easily. But, uh, of course, two years changed into five, six years uh, before the war actually ended and before prisoners were actually exchanged. Now I came back home, uh, still anxious to fly. I'd lost about 1,500 hours of flying time. Uh, I lost my chance to go to the experimental test pilot school. Uh, so I had to settle to be just a run-of-the-mill garden variety Mark I fighter pilot, which isn't all that bad. Uh, I uh, was accepted by the aggressors, Air Force aggressors. Squadron was just forming up at that time. So I became a charter member of uh, the first aggressor squadron, which was sort of a, an Air Force version of Top Gun. Okay. At any rate, uh, the aggressors taught me to fly again, and uh, be, and I became a, a, a really good air-to-air pilot. So I, I figured whatever flying time I lost uh, while I was in prison, I made up in quality while I was with the aggressors. Uh, following my aggressor assignment, I was uh, sent to a command and staff school uh, for a year, and then I. Then I was uh, assigned to Williams Air Force Base as an F-5 instructor pilot. I was there for four years. Uh, turned out Mexico bought a squadron of F-5s and they wanted to send an instructor pilot down there just to keep an eye on the program. So I went to Mexico as an advisor to the Mexican Air Force. And I was there for two years. That's where I was uh, promoted to colonel and uh, I was sent back to the United States uh, uh, to go to the Industrial College of the Armed Forces, another senior service school. Uh, uh, my assignment out of there was to uh, Headquarters Air Force in Foreign Military Sales. And then I was assigned to the Joint Chiefs of Staff in uh, Western Hemisphere Operations. And uh, somewhere in that time frame, I figured out they were never going to let me see or touch another airplane. So I chose to retire. Uh, while I was retired, I picked up all my civilian flying qualifications, uh, instrument, multi-engine, instructor, uh, flight engineer, and uh, airline transport pilot ratings. And just about the time I finished, a friend of mine, uh, who was a POW, a ground instructor at American Airlines, uh, told me to send my resume in. Uh, I sent it in to American, and, and uh, they hired me at the age of 47. So then I flew for American as a, initially as a flight engineer, but after a year as a co-pilot, and then uh, as a captain on the 727. At age 60 in 2002, I had to retire from American. Uh, reluctantly, I did. Uh, I was a widower at the time with uh, three young daughters. Uh, I became a, a real estate agent. Uh, Actually, I became a, a, a renovator, but I had my real estate license. And, uh, I did that for a while until the girls really didn't need me anymore, and then I went back to school at the University of Maryland and got a master's in 
aerospace engineering and uh, still couldn't get a job. So a couple of years later, I went to George Mason University in an astronomy program. But then uh, COVID sort of closed my program down. And when it opened up again, uh, I decided I was probably finished with school. So I'll do something else. And I haven't. I'm just doubly retired now. <laughs> my wife is vice president of the Arts Club of Washington, and she uh, she's a very busy lady. So I follow her around, and I support her as best I can. Well, I, I actually went back to school when I was in my late 20s uh, to learn more about broadcast and, uh, and digital stuff uh, at George Mason. But <clears throat> for you, why is it so important to just keep learning? Oh, I don't know. I had a, I always had an interest in uh, uh, astronautics, uh, spacecraft design, uh, satellites, uh, Uh, space probe trajectories, just just about everything to do with uh, uh, with uh, space and astronautics. Uh, sometimes I think I should have should not have been a pilot. I should have tried to become a, a NASA scientist. Uh, but at any rate, uh, uh, any rate, I, I still keep a I still keep a finger in there and uh, keep current on what the space activities are and what's happening. Uh, U.S. and other space programs. So where did you start or uh, when did your passion for flying begin? Uh, as I recall, I was in the seventh grade studying aviation and my teacher told me about an airplane that if you fly in a parabolic arc, uh, you'll be weightless. And I thought that was just amazing. Imagine that, being weightless in a parabolic arc. Uh, so ever since then, uh, I'd had this increasing interest in aviation. And uh, uh, over the years, both in jet fighters and uh, in the biplane I used to fly, uh, uh, I used to do parabolic arcs because they're just so much fun. So with, after uh, the military, you went to uh, American Airlines. What are the differences between military flying and commercial flying? Well, let's see, uh, military airline, or military flying, particularly jet fighters, the, the, the most boring routine thing you do is take off and land. In the airlines, that's the most exciting thing you do. <laughs> Uh, it's an entirely different type of flying. Uh, I enjoyed it both. If you can't fly a jet fighter, flying a commercial jet airliner is, uh, is uh, not a bad way to make a living. In fact, they say if you're not a pilot, you have to work for a living. But, uh, <laughs> That's not fun then. <laughs> uh, with the the exhibit at the Heritage Museum, how is it to still be recognized and honored for your military experience? Well, let's see. First of all, I think me and most of my compatriots that were prisoners, uh, we're, uh, we've always been amazed at the attention focused on us. 
not only when we first got out, but now, literally 50 years later, a half a century later, people still seem to remember us. Uh, so, uh, I've never quite understood it, but, uh, but if they have an interest uh, and I'm important to them, well then, they're important to me. I know a lot of young military people uh, would like to know our story, so we tell it whenever we can, whenever they're interested. We'll let them know what we went through, what it cost us. How was it when you got out after seven years? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, of course, uh, first thing uh, first thing we did uh, after flying out of uh, Hanoi was we landed at Clark Air Base, where there were uh, huge crowds to greet us. We were uh, ushered into the hospital where they took care of us for the first couple days. We got the first uh, taste of uh, real food again. I had steak and eggs and ice cream for dinner. Uh, they fitted us with our uniforms and decorations. Uh, we, get, we got a, a medical exam uh, and we got to visit uh, uh, some classrooms for the American uh, students, uh, uh, the sons and daughters of uh, the people that worked at Clark Air Base. After about three days there, we hopped back on our C-141 and flew to uh, uh, Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii. Again, huge crowds meet us, uh, uh, just completely uh, surrounded us. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was mind-boggling. Uh, after only a few hours there, we flew on to Travis Air Force Base. Uh, where, uh, again, there were large crowds uh, just uh, cheering and waving American flags. And uh, uh, f from that point on, uh, we separated into uh, groups uh, and we got on uh, C-9s, a uh, Nightingale uh, uh, medevac airplane, sort of a C or a, uh, like a uh, Boeing 737 design. At any rate, we were flown out to the air, air bases nearest, or the military bases nearest our home. I went to March Air Force Base, and uh, that's where I met my parents and sisters and, and uh, everybody again. So, And I stayed at March in the hospital again uh, while I was debriefed, more medical exams, uh, uh, meeting more and more of my family and friends until... Uh, I was released to go on R&R, uh, uh, or leave actually. I had seven, seven years of leave back, built up. So uh, a lot of pilots, uh, or prisoners, ex-prisoners, took advantage of the whole seven months. But uh, my mom uh, was very active in the National League of POW MIA families. And there was a number of people she wanted me to meet and speak to, and I was happy to do that. Uh, my high school uh, classmates gave me a party out at March Air Force Base, welcome home party. Uh, let's see. I, I got an apartment at the beach at uh, uh, 
Playa del Rey. No, it wasn't Playa del Rey, uh, but uh, close to it. Anyway, I, I hardly had any furniture. I just had a case of uh, cold duck and a case of peanut butter. Yeah. However, uh, I, I tired quickly of, uh, of uh, not having anything to do. I was anxious to fly again. So uh, after about a month, let's see, I got out in March, April. Uh, after about a month, I told the Air Force I wanted to go back to work. And they, uh, they had a whole uh, squadron back at uh, Randolph Air Force Base, the 560th Flying Training Squadron, uh, dedicated to retraining us, the, when I say us, I mean the Air Force POWs, to fly again. Uh, I was number three to show up. Uh, for about uh, six weeks, there was only uh, five of us there. So we flew just about every day, maybe twice a day, went on cross countries every weekend. Uh, we, we built up a lot of flying time in a very short period of a few months. But, but then other POWs started filtering back in. So they, uh, they gave us our instrument check and kicked us out. And uh, shortly thereafter, I was uh, sent to Nellis where, uh, uh, where I became an aggressor pilot. So, so only after a month or two, you're ready to go. I was, yes. Were you when you were in there? Did you just did you think about flying a lot, or just I need to get out of here? Oh yes, I thought about flying every day. I thought about the flying time I was losing, the proficiency I was using. Now you got to remember when I got to the aggressors, I hadn't flown fighters for uh, uh, seven years. Uh, my mission in Vietnam was a ground attack, long-range strike. Uh, mission in the aggressors was air-to-air, -air, so I had no air-to-air -air experience. I wasn't a big killer. I wasn't a graduate of fire weapons school. Uh, but the aggressors understood that. Uh, and for me and one other POW that were in that squadron, they, they literally took their flying training program and doubled it. Instead of a six-month program, uh, it was a one-year program for us before we got checked out, before we were proficient as, as aggressors. So you said you ha you've had, uh, you have uh, three girls. Uh, what have you learned from them? Oh, well, uh, probably that I don't understand women. But, uh, <laughs> uh, they were good girls. Uh, I was... Unfortunately, widowed uh, in 1999, and my daughters were 14, 12, and 8. Uh, uh, so I pretty much dedicated, you know, everything to them. There's a school. Uh, uh, fortunately, as they as they grew up and got older, uh, uh, they weren't boy crazy. Uh, they didn't do drugs. They didn't smoke. They, uh, didn't drink a lot, at least in high school. College, I thought they drank too much. But, uh, uh, so raising them was uh, relatively easy. And uh, I got them uh, all to go to uh, college, and uh, all three of them uh, have master's degrees. So 
And I thought if I could keep them uh, uh, out of jail and uh, not pregnant until they got out of college, I would have done my job. That's my goal too for my my kids. <laughs> uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, uh, I guess uh, it's reflective of what Admiral Stockdale said to us at one time when we were in prison. Uh, now we didn't have direct communication with him, but uh, we were able to communicate clandestinely with him, but uh, uh, when we were prisoners, particularly in the first few days and weeks, we were pretty badly beat up. And uh, uh, as much as we tried to uh, to stick to the code of conduct, the American man's fighting, fighting man's code of conduct, uh, there were times when the, the Vietnamese would just torture us so badly that, that we'd give them information more than we felt was allowed. At any rate, uh, to a man, we'd all f felt guilty. And uh, one time, Admiral Stockdale, who'd been through the same thing, he said, uh, don't worry about it. Everybody knows you did your best. So uh, that was very comforting. So I like to think I did my best while I was there. Uh what would what advice would you give uh, young people who want to go into the military? I think uh, it, it's a great profession, uh, great camaraderie. I think, uh, particularly uh, young officers, uh, would be surprised at the amount of responsibility they are given uh, early in their career. For instance, uh, I was a first lieutenant, actually started out as second lieutenant, flying a multi-million dollar jet fighter. Can you imagine that? A multi-million, the frontline jet fighter in the United States Air Force was, was mine to toy with. Uh, likewise, uh, uh, friends of mine that were in the Navy, given ex exceedingly uh, uh, important jobs, uh, both uh, on the ship and uh, and uh, on land, in, in bureaus, in uh, research organizations, uh, uh, much more so, much more responsibility than they'd ever get in even a big corporation in the States. They'd have to work for five or ten years to, uh, before they would have the same level of responsibility in a private corporation that they get almost immediately in the service. And the camaraderie is great too. And if you like to move around the States every so often, uh, or the world for that matter, uh, that's good too, or it can be. <laughs>